nice nap. Now, down to business. I'm a bit worried about the temple flicker in Sector 13. There's a Bicentino refit of the TARDIS to book in. I must just pop over to Center I-7 and then perhaps a quick holiday. Right, that all seems quite clear. Just three small points. Where am I? Who am I? And who are you? The Rani! Stay back! This is idiotic. <sighs> Welcome to the Into the Time Vortex podcast. We talk about Doctor Who, and I am Ken. Jeff. Julia. And the episode we're talking about today is the classic, quote, quote, Time in the time of is, how do we know the name of it? Time of the Ronnie. Time and the Ronnie. Time, time and the Ronnie, which is a great title. <laughs> yeah, not so much. Um, it's directed by Andrew Morgan, and it's written by Pip and Jane Baker. Pip and Jane Baker. Wow, I love them. This is the sarcastic podcast, by the way. Go ahead. The uh, the Ronnie shoots down the TARDIS. Hmm. Where, uh, up upon which the doctor dies and regenerates. She, uh, induces selective amnesia before disguising herself as his companion, Mel, in order to get him to repair one of her broken machines. Yep. The planet is called, like, Curta? Lacertia. Well, it's spelled like Curtia. Uh, and the, like, Kirshans are sort of slaves of the Rani. Mm. Yeah. Was this the story where Chibnall was on that... Chibnall? Chris Chibnall, as a kid, okay. was on a show. Pip and Jane Baker were on it. And they had Doctor Who fans, and Chris Chibnall might have been one of them. Yeah. Needless to say, our new showrunner... Was inspired. Was inspired by. Wasn't not a fan of Pip and Jane Baker as he proceeded to rip them a new one. Uh, <laughs> and this was teenager Chris Chibnall, all dressed up in decadent tight and being very posh and just ripping them. I, I remember it's on YouTube. I don't know if it was for this one or for a trial or the Time Lord stuff, but he just goes off on them, <laughs> and they're sitting there because they're they're like. They might have been in their sixties or something, fifties, sixties. They're looking like they're looking in there. They're like, like a gosh, like how dare you, you know? And here he is now running the show. The horror of Time and the Ronnie. That's the name of this oh. episode. No, the the horror of that was they used to come out with these books that were based on the, the target episodes, books. the Target books, the Target books. So when Time and the Ronnie came out, we all look at these books and go. Now we're going to get the real story because this episode sucked. But look, the authors are involved. They're going to come out with a really good. And, and I remember the, going. Bleh, yeah, it was just worse. Time, it was worse most than the TV. Of the time when you read the Target book, it was better than yeah. the TV show. And a lot of our exposure <laughs> to the Seventh Doctor era because PBS stopped showing around here the McCoy era was the Target books. Mm -hmm. So you're. Yeah, but well, you're I never, right. I never read them before the episode on. I like, did. I don't think so. Because the episodes came out. Yeah, but I, I waited. I wasn't going to read, read a book before I watched the episode. No, I did because I wanted to know what happened then instead of well, waiting okay. two years to, to see it. So, anyways, but I have. The Time in the Ronnie, the, the, the book didn't. Oh, so, Time in the Ronnie, I'm just going to start 
by saying it sucked. that Doctor Who magazine in 2014 ranked it the third worst Doctor Who episode of all time at was, that time. What was two and one? Uh, fear, I, fear Her and Twin Dilemma. Poor and, and yeah, those... Uh, fear Her was pretty bad. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah. I, I think <coughs> this story... Now that's 2014, so we've had more going in. I think this story in. is worse than the Twin Dilemma. I oh. think it's worse than Fear Her. Yeah. I mean, this was just... Oh if you read Andrew Cartmel's... He wrote a book about his time as the uh, script editor on Doctor Who. He was for the McCoy era. Okay. He took over after Trial and Time Lord, and so they were setting up the season. This was before Colin Baker was fired. And so they were setting up these stories, and he says one of the biggest regrets he had was not having the guts to deep-six this script and get something else. But, because he was new, and John Nathan Turner says, oh, Pip and Jane are so yeah. great, they always come in the clutch for me. He always said, and when I interviewed him, he said, I always said, what was your biggest regret besides time in the Ronnie of your time on? Because I mean, if you read the book, he's another one who rips them a new one and it was and he said I'll never never use them again and he, ne he did it this was it for them so this episode starts with a regeneration and the story behind it is Colin Baker was let go as the doctor and Colin sort of told the BBC it's like well you can't do that because I haven't done a regeneration yet and the BBC was like you got a good point there can you come back and we'll do one regeneration in one episode? He goes, no, I'll come back for a whole season and do it. And they're like, no. So that's why in the regeneration of, of Colin Baker, we don't see Colin Baker, it's an outline, and it turns to Sylvester McCoy, and it was Sylvester McCoy in a wig. That looked like Colin Baker, and that's how they got away with the regeneration. From, with all that said, I think they did a halfway decent job with it. You know, it's a, poor, it's a bad way to go out, because the Six Doctors' last words... Carrot juice. Carrot juice, which is not a good way to go out as a doctor. But um, why did they fire Colin Baker? They they thought the ser he, his doctor came in and the series went on hiatus the season after, and for a whole they skipped a year, and it was bad. The ratings weren't good at all. It came back uh, for that trial of Time Lord season and it didn't perform well at all. And they blamed him. They blamed him, so they got rid of him. And one of their things was doctors generally do three years. He only did two seasons, but he was doctor for three years. Mm -hmm. So that was one of their reasonings to get rid of him. Which was stupid. Which was stupid yeah. because. You were here for three years, yeah, but I What they should have done was clean house and got new writers. Yeah. So. It's probably cheaper to fire one actor than to fire a bunch of writers, though. So they brought in Spess McCoy, which. Well, they actually told Jonathan Turner, you get rid of the actor or, or something, and gave him an ultimatum. And oh, really? To, if you want to save your job and save the show, you you better do this. Hmm. And, 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 you know, for what says McCoy is, I, I think he has his moments. I think he's halfway decent, but... Um, Not, this episode doesn't do him any justice. Well, okay. the writing is This just, episode does no one justice. The writing is just so poor. The opening credits on this were so bad. 
Was the TARDIS going so bad? The flat TARDIS going across the screen. I, I, I yeah, but you've seen. Are you talking about the opening, like the the logo and everything? Or are you yeah. just talking about the the in general? Yeah. But you've seen McCoy stories before. I don't think I saw that. You must have seen the opening credits before. Well, the one where there's like a bubble and the TARDIS comes up and then you see Svestikoy's face. You're talking about that, yeah. the main credits? Yeah, yeah. yeah, you should have seen that a couple times. I saw that, but I, I don't know. There was, I didn't recognize part of it. Yeah. So I don't know if this was just the only season they used that, and I haven't seen other episodes no, from this season. Well, they, the TARDIS flying across and the thing hitting it, that's Ronnie shooting at the TARDIS for the episode. Oh, okay. And then we so cut right into the insides. So that that wasn't that Yeah, because the regeneration scene takes place before the credits. It was a pre-credits. So yeah. Leave the girls, the man I want. <laughs> oh, my God. How does she get into the TARDIS? How does she get into the TARDIS? How does she have... A gun that can shoot the TARDIS out of the time. Well, there's that. How does she have um, the same clothes that Mel has? Yeah, how does she know that Mel is wearing what she was wearing? Oh, I have, I have the same outfit. I got an idea. And how does she know that Mel was going to take the TARDIS Mel's outfit? Could have been yeah, Perry. Yeah, she, she never met Mel before. She never knew. Could have been Perry, you know. Well, she saw Mel when she came into the TARDIS to take the doctor. Yeah, but did she take, she a, did she take a Polaroid of it so she can go back and, uh, I don't know, like And close. replicate her, her yeah. outfit? Yeah, I don't know. The scenery chewing was just <laughs> unreal. I, well, that's Kate That's Kate O'Meara, yeah. I know. That's what, that's what lots of people told me as I was complaining about this on Facebook. I was reading it and laughing my <laughs> butt off. I was reading these comments and I was laughing. I was like, boy, this is going to be a good podcast when we do this one. <laughs> so we haven't said anything good about it yet. I, I will say one thing. I thought some of the special effects were fantastic. That whole bubble effect that goes after the people, picks them up and drags them, and then they, it blows up or not. I thought those, that effect was good. Even the scene where they're walking into that thing with the big... Oh, Mike Tucker's uh, model of the big base there. The yeah, I mean, a lot of that stuff was really good. The base good was this. cool looking. Yeah. I, I, I liked that. I liked how it was sort of like postmodern concrete but it had these cool dragon heads coming yep. out of it and mm. um i didn't understand the big you know who that the the her monstery sidekick there reminded me of sweetums from the muppet <laughs> show there's a tetraps yeah the tetraps the, the tetraps yeah was so, that Urak, right no was, was well that was his name Urak or, or something yeah the tetraps are absolutely fantastic looking when they're in a dark cave yeah yes. hanging from the ceiling or whatever once they come out in the light and, and the eyes are like those google eyes that you get stickers of <laughs> and they, they like stick their tongue out uh they look horrible the only good thing they're about laughable them, i mean yeah, they're not the best thing theory. about them though that makes them one of the best villains of all best monsters of all time is when they stick their tongue out at mel they stop her from screaming Oh she God. screamed every time they came out. Even like she'd be sitting there, they walk past. Ah! And, and, and this was a bad screaming episode for her. She just screamed. There was so much screaming. There was so much screaming, and the poor little troll girl who blew up. It was Mel's fault. It was Mel's fault. She 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 tripped the trip wire and got picked up by the bubble and blew up. Yep. And, and they boy. looked like trolls. Did they not look like troll dolls? Little Persians, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. And you would have thought that her boyfriend would have killed Mel, because he stood there, watched more or less his yeah, girlfriend. Yeah, just kind of like. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, kill her. Please, yeah. 
Yeah, so that's bad. Uh, I mean, the outfits were hilarious just because it was the 80s and it was... And how much blush did Mel have on her face? She looked like she had sunburn. That was the style. I know, but it was horrible. I used to wear blush like that. So your face looked like you were sunburned? It looked like I had... Like uh, you were a tomato? Done, like, I was trying to do Indian streaks on my face. It was like your grandma came over and she pinched your cheeks so hard that they yeah. turned red? Yeah. <laughs> the, um... I had the big hair too. I like the point of view of a tetrap when it's looking around because it, oh, that's that was because neat. it's it's all around. It's like a, a and it and there's focuses so you could see as they're see walking us. past someone and the person's over here. That was kind of clever. Um, so there was so there was another Pippin story. You know where they have all those geniuses from the past. Yeah, they wanted Solomon. Solomon. Yeah. From the Bible. Yes. Because he you know the the story where that the the wife the two women have the baby, and he says, "I know what I'll do. I'll cut the baby in half. You get one half. You get the other half." That was Solomon. Was it Solomon? No. Who am I thinking of? No, it wasn't Solomon. Yeah, King Solomon, right? Well, maybe it was. Yeah, I think so, it, yeah. Okay. So he cut says he cut the baby in half, and the woman goes, "No, no, no. Let her have the baby." That's how he knew who the mother was. Mm -hmm. Well, they wanted him in that, and they were they were the one that story in there, and. Nathan Turner's and Andrew Commerce says, no one is going to know that. And Pippin G. Baker says, yeah, yeah, everyone's going to know that. Yeah. And John Nathan Turner turns around and goes, Jane, I didn't know that until you just told me. <laughs> <laughs> so he got cut. They were like, you need to have this. They were all like mad and stuff. And and it was in Andrew Cartmel's book. And I'm like, it was like funny. It was like, John Nathan Turner says, Jane, I don't know that story. And she had, so she had Einstein, and she had Charles Dickens, right? Did she have Charles Dickens? Oh, no, Darwin. No, no. Darwin. Darwin. She had all these, it's, it was like an odd collection of geniuses to figure out this. Didn't she have a female Greek woman? Or Egyptian or something like that? Yeah. Like it was, ancient Greek or ancient Egypt or something? Yeah, and it didn't make sense because you're looking at it like, how are they going to figure out a problem about strange matter and how to blow up an asteroid yeah. to make it go super why didn't they pick three or four people scientists from the year t you know four thousand <laughs> i mean or those are the capture a couple time lords or something yeah, or know, it's just dumb. yeah it was a ridiculous they had to dumb it down for the audience and that's what pip and jane baker do best they dumb it down it's a children's show so let's dumb it down to them give a little bit of history you know throw in Einstein or whatever. It didn't make sense. No, it didn't. I thought another good effect was the uh, death when they turned into skeletons. Yeah, I thought the skeletons looked good. There's a scene where they're inside that area and there's like a little the square pool. pond yeah. pool and as the thing is dying, its hand is in the water and the water is fizzing. Yeah. Which you, it's like hard to notice that, but it's you like saw, yeah. know, the detail on that was kind of neat how they decided, someone decided, let's do that. So there's a, I think, on the effects-wise, I think they did a fantastic job. It's unfortunate that the script just totally let them down on so many levels, and, and the acting probably, too. Well, the thing is, they didn't have an idea what, how it would make Sylvester McCoy's doctor be like. Because if you notice, he was saying all these really bad puns yeah, yes. drop the melodramatics. <laughs> and I'm just like, they they figure it out later, towards Delta and the Bannerman. They tone down and they make him darker and they make him stop saying the sayings wrong. 
Malapropisms, those are called. Yes. Um, and M- what were they called? They're called malapropisms. And he was just saying. Mala. I'm just right. And he was just saying way too many of oh, them. Oh, it was and constant. It was like, it was like, oh, let's just keep doing it. I'm like, no, this sounds really. Yeah, bad. once once was funny, but it, it got old. Yeah, he wasn't. He was falling down all the time, and and yeah, there's. When they made him more serious towards the end of the season, is when it got better. Well, he got better in the second season too. Yeah. Well, that's when because they the most this story these stories were supposed to be for Colonel Baker. So they had to redo the Doctor. They didn't really. Did it take a while before they cast Sylvester McCoy? They didn't really know what they wanted to do. How make this Doctor to be like? Oh, maybe. Yeah, it was. I, I don't know. It's so, just the whole thing was. I mean, some. I think this is some of the early attempts at CG, and that's, you know, again, it was hit and miss. I think the, the circular bubbles were good, and the TARDIS at the beginning was horrible. The one scene where she goes into her TARDIS to do something with that piece of like amber plastic, whatever it was supposed to be. She says she knows where to get this, whatever, matter, or whatever. matter that she yeah. needs to fix her machine. And she finds a chunk and she takes it into her tar- TARDIS and she turns, her, like she's got a weird shaped chunk of it and then she turns her back to the camera and walks towards something that you don't see. That whole scene was green screen. Okay. Because you could see her, like you could see the outline, the shadow outline of her. Yeah. So whatever she was walking towards and then like this, <laughs> it was like Space Invaders, comes down and, and does whatever it needs to do and she's got this perfectly rectangular uh. piece of whatever amber vaguely remember that stuff that she has and i was like oh my god like (laughs) i mean i get it it was it was probably state-of-the-art for the time but in in terms of brains how's this brain right took with all the other ones the big giant brain yeah bad okay (laughs) peter tottenham from blake seven was the voice of the brain Yeah. yeah We've seen so many. Have we seen giant brains in Doctor Who before? I mean, oh, lots of them. Yeah, but this one was pretty bad. Bad. Yeah, it was bad. The nesting consciousness in Rose was a big giant brain, yeah. and then there was Ood, the Ood episode, the Planet of the Ood, that had a big brain. Yeah, this one was a bad brain. It was a bad brain. It was a bad pulsating. Like it looked like a witch with warts, hairs coming out of it. I have the uh, regeneration. Basically, <laughs> Colin. How did Colin Baker die? He bumped his head. No, he he fell off the exercise bike and regenerated. <laughs> it was just like. I mean, he had a bump. His head is just doing this, and he falls down and regenerates. And obviously, I'm sure they. It would have made more sense. <laughs> When it crashed, and he was just lying there. Characters. <laughs> when the Ronnie got in there to shoot him. Yeah. To trigger the regeneration. But then you'd need Colin Baker for that, wouldn't you? No, because if his back was turned. Back. Yeah, so she shot shot him in the back to trigger a regeneration. Would have worked a lot better than him falling off the exercise bike. I don't know. It's just now this story is similar to Shadow. Which is about someone collecting these intelligence and trying to create this or whatever. Which is, you know, I guess Doctor Who does that quite often. It will, re- it will repeat stories and stuff like that. 
Oh yeah, wasn't there a Clara episode where the snow was it the snowman? The guy had like this gigantic snow globe in his office. Yep. It was a Victorian one. Yeah, that and that was, was like a, a consciousness thing that he was trying to collect. Yep. The snowman. This was just plain old bad. It was terrible. Bonnie Langford has got to be one of the worst companions yeah, ever as Mel. That's who plays Mel? Yeah, she just screamed, run, scream, then when she talked... And she complains. Complain and annoying as hell. So, a couple of... I mean, But, sure, if you ever get the big finish stuff, what the big finish writers did for her, you wish... it was That's what she was on TV. Because she's a hundred times better on big finish than she is in the TV show. That's because Pip and Jane Baker are not writing it. Yeah, they're not writing it. Uh, <laughs> Kate O'Mara, obviously, this is her second appearance as the Ronnie. And last. And last. Uh, Donald Pickering, who played Bayus in this, also played in two other Doctor episodes, The Keys and Marinus and Faceless Ones. Wanda Ventham, who... Is Benedict Cumberbatch's mother. Yep, she's the mother of... Uh, Oh, so she was the, uh... Faroon. Faroon Bayless's wife, right? Yeah. She was also in, um, Image of Fendel, and uh, she was also in Faceless Ones. She's also, was a regular in UFO, which is a great and show. And she was in Prisoner, too. And she was in Sherlock, also, as... Oh, Sherlock's mother. Yeah. yeah. Yes. His father was in it, too, yeah. as his father. She was also in a Prisoner They don't episode. credit her on... Which Prisoner episode? IMDb. The girl who was uh, deaf? No. No, I don't remember. I, I don't remember that episode off the top of my head. But she was like a, a, an ally of his, I think. Apparently the, um, the new CGI title sequence cost 20,000 pounds at the time. Wow. So this is a really bad episode. Excellent episode to watch. I think it's worse than Twin Dilemma. Yeah, there's not much worse than this. I have to admit. Um, I think for a, a debuting Doctor story, I think it's the worst. Yeah, I could say that that was good. Assessment. But I, you know it's bad, and. Um, you know, when you're watching it. I don't remember my thoughts watching it, though. I was kind of like, oh, a new doctor, and I was trying to get as much out of it as possible to get a good idea about the doctor, and it really didn't help. And um, I enjoyed the fact that the special effects seemed to be getting better for the show at the time. And I think they kind of did. You know, this wasn't, yeah, they did. They this did. wasn't necessarily a complete yeah. step back. Mel was going to take the clip off the ankle. She goes like this, then around the ankle, back to the front, with the wire, it went like that. Why didn't she just go like this, and like this, in front of the, of the, the device, instead of going around the whole leg to do it? Oh, I, I didn't know. I noticed something was off on that, but I didn't notice the, the mechanics behind it. Oh, the, uh, the stupid bugs were bad. The bugs were bad. Yeah. <laughs> CG bugs. And with Kirshen's die, they turn into skeleton. <clears throat> Even when they get bit by the bugs. 
Yeah. So it's so not much about green dots. Yeah. Yeah, well, I couldn't even see what they were at first. I was like, why is everybody running? Uh, Run, they kill. <laughs> I have to say, though, what year was this? 87? 87. Came out in September of 87, all four parts. So the X Files had an episode about bugs, and they used computer generated green bugs, and they were pretty bad, too. They were a little bit better than this, but they were pretty bad. Anytime you do CG bugs, it looks horrible, I think. It's just Especially when they're just lights. Yeah. What are they, uh, fireflies? You know? <laughs> killer bugs. Killer fireflies. Sharp, hooky fangs. So, not a good start to the anything, <laughs> for anything in this episode. Uh, I did like some of the music. Uh, <coughs> the, the music, the build-up, the action music, I, th I think is really good. Um, exciting music again. You take elements of the production and little bits and pieces of the effects and the sets and stuff, maybe they're halfway decent. But when you have something like that and then everything else is bad, then it's really hard to even remember that stuff. So it's an episode that is easily forgotten about and we will never want to talk about it again. <laughs> That's the closing the book on time and the Ronnie. Any more on this one? It's just bad. Yeah. Okay, thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>